Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom, what up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live and direct from the City of Angels. And just like we all thought, the Kansas City Chiefs would go in there and beat the uh, New England Patriots. If you listen to this show, we all predicted it. Matter of fact, only Dan Beyer, only Dan Beyer thought the Patriots would win, the Patriots would cover. Poor Dan, he laid... uh, all of his uh, lifely earnings and possessions on the Pats, and uh, and they. Oh wait, it was actually the opposite was true. Uh, nonetheless, like, look, context does matter, and it does matter if you watch the game. Pats are up seven nothing. Go for it on fourth down, deep in Kansas City territory. Don't get it because Eric Berry's a stud. And what could have been or should have been ten nothing could have been fourteen nothing. And game set. Uh, good night sleep well is uh drive home safely suddenly becomes a seven, seven game. And even though the Patriots led at the half, which I believe there's something like they were 52 and three under Tom Brady when leading at half and they had won 105 in a row leading at the end of the third quarter, the Kansas city chiefs led by uh, the superstar. We have all known come to know and love was Alex Smith come from behind, and beat the New England Patriots, just as we all thought. 
man, there's so much to get to. But more than anything, that was a great pronouncement that football is back. Just is. But uh, can we at least wonder aloud? Right? Like, I'm not the only one wondering if we're seeing Tom Brady lose that battle to uh, to time. Right? Are we? Is that is that what Father Time is undefeated? And are we seeing that game in the third or fourth quarter suddenly slip away from Tom Brady in his battle versus Father Time? I mean, because if you think about it, Tom Brady he, he wasn't good against the Texans in the playoffs, and though he was good against the Steelers, the Steelers had a terrible defense by the end of last year. For the first three quarters against the Falcons, he looked overwhelmed by the speed, athleticism of their pass rush. And last night, forget about just the numbers, because numbers aren't always telling. Last night, he had 11 misfires. Far more than Alex Smith, who sliced and diced the Patriots' defense. Now, there's a bunch to get to. Let's get to what Tom Brady said after last night's game. There was nothing really positive about anything that was done. So, you know, we got to, you know, get back to work. We got uh, nine days before our next game, and uh, hopefully we play a lot better than tonight. Couldn't run it, couldn't throw it, couldn't find consistent offense. Tom Brady just 16 of 36. 16 of 36. Now, look, in fairness, in fairness, you take away um, Julian Edelman, who was their top pass-catching threat last year with over 90 receptions, that's going to change anyone. And though Danny Amendola was good and he came back from an, a licking, right? They struggled to get Brandon Cooks going. Uh, they hit him on that 154-yarder. Gronk only had two catches. Chris, the touchdown was called back. And then uh, Chris Hogan only had one catch. So some of it was Brady. Some of it was his line. Some of it is Kansas City is terrific. We have a terrific pass rush, and they've been a great regular season team. Here's Bill Belichick. Really nothing was good enough, so we all got to do a better job. That's going to be pretty much the answer to every question because that's what it was. How about Kareem Hunt? Right. Like how, and there's, there's some arrogant SOB out there who's sitting there going like, I knew it, I got him on my fantasy team. Like, yeah, he was a rookie. You hadn't seen him play. He wasn't expected to start. Third-round pick, 17, 17 carries, 148 yards, five catches, 98 yards, including that 78-yarder. How about Kareem Hunt? Yes, that's what we thought we would see after he fumbled the first time he touches the ball in an NFL game. So the thing about sports is the conclusion is not predetermined. And even when you think you know at the at halftime or you think you know at the end of the third quarter, you don't actually know. Congrats to the Kansas City Chiefs. They go in and they they get a win. But the, the cautionary tale of a 40-year-old quarterback and of a team that doesn't have a pass rush, right? The, either of those two things could derail your team. Like, you pick the car. Right? There are certain cars that the test of time has always told us you're better off picking up a Honda Accord. You're better off getting a Toyota Camry. Whatever the most miles you've ever put on a car is before. You're sitting there going, well, you know, I, I feel really confident that it will outlive its warranty. I'll have no issues. 
my wife had an SUV, um, and it was really well made. We got it seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. And we got like a kind of luxury caliber SUV. I don't know if you guys do this with your kids. My wife has always driven a nicer car than I have. And the reason is, one, she's my wife. And two, I have my kids in it, right? Like you want whatever. I want the safest, best. If I'm going to spend any money, I'm going to spend it first and foremost on their safety and their well-being. That's what you're supposed to do. At least that's how I was raised. Um, and so I remember like, Look, we, we didn't have a single problem with the car during the life of its warranty, and even past the warranty. She got to about 100,000 miles in this car, and suddenly, you know, like, something goes wrong here, something goes wrong there. It do- doesn't matter that the car is well-made. There just is a life expectancy on many of these little parts, and eventually things are going to break. And so this doesn't mean that Tom Brady is done. This is a little bit like the reasonable conversation we had about Michael Bennett. Right. Like to me, it was reasonable that he if he was hiding from gunshots, that's reasonable. It's also reasonable that at some point he decided to make a run for it. But it's also reasonable to think that the police who walked in and said, freeze, don't anybody move. They see somebody running from them. They go after them and think they might be involved and detain them until they can understand that they're not actually involved. Right. All of these are reasonable actions. But look, it's reasonable to think Tom Brady had a. He had it coming off a great regular season, coming off a great comeback in the Super Bowl that he is your guy. But it's also reasonable to believe that at some point he will fade because that happens. Right? Even if a car makes it to hey, I, I bought a car, it's 200,000 miles. OK, but at some point your car is going to break down. That's just what happens. And the human body Though well-constructed, though we protect quarterbacks and we protect Brady, at some point it's not going to be the same as it was at 38, definitely not the same as it is 30. So I, uh, I do wonder. Now, in fairness, Brian Billick's going to join us, what, half past the hour? Super Bowl champion coach, NFL Network, Brian Billick will, will, will be our guest. And, and one of the things that we also have to concede is something said in the NFL, the teams are still trying to figure out exactly what they have. I mean, case in point, you could, you could have thought, like, look, you could have thought that the Chiefs were in trouble because they lost their starting running back in the preseason. As of now, they don't appear to be in that dire need of a running back. Who would have thought? Kareem Hunt. Welcome to the NFL, huh? Amazing. Uh, let me just say this uh, real quick about Alex Smith. You know, competition brings out different things in different people. And I will concede that, um, like, look, I'm be- I always played basketball better when I was angry. I was angry. Like, if you could bring me off the bench, I would play better. If you took me out of the game put me and yelled at me, put me back in, I would play better. I'd be more focused. I don't know what, what it is. But I didn't do well when... I, I didn't necessarily function well when there was a, another guy creeping over my shoulder for a spot because I felt like that would, in basketball at least, you don't, always, you don't get 40 minutes, you split some minutes. I didn't deal with that well. The one thing we should remember about Alex Smith is he lost his job to injury when he was in San Francisco. And this is, it is, there's a fascinating parallel between he and Pat Mahomes. 
Like, Colin Kaepernick had something that Alex Smith simply didn't have. And Alex Smith is a very good runner. He's a very good athlete coming out of high school, coming out of college, and even at times in the NFL. But his inability, again, until last night, or lack of desire to throw the ball downfield, has always driven people in Kansas City crazy. He's one of those better safe than sorry type of guys. But if you remember back, his last start that he finished, start that he finished in San Francisco, he had a near-perfect game. It was against the Arizona Cardinals on Monday Night Football, and he was nearly perfect. And remember, this is with Kaepernick kind of creeping over his shoulder. And so with Pat Mahomes setting the world on fire and making people like me wonder how long is the leash on Alex Smith and the Chiefs having to come out and go, look, Alex Smith is our guy. They're not pulling out. They wouldn't say that unless they realized what everybody else realizes that, hey, the, the, the rookie's pretty good. The one thing about Alex Smith that we have to give him credit for is when he's been challenged by another guy in the quarterback room and by fans thinking there's a chance that he will get pulled, he's actually performed better. Last night, he was magnificent. 28 for 35, four touchdowns, nary an interception. I just want to re- re- put nary in a sentence. 368 yards, and he is the first quarterback to win a game against Tom Brady as quarterback of the New England Patriots when Brady's team led at the end of the third quarter. Pretty good stuff. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's welcome in Brian Billick, who joins us care of the good folks at SeatGeek.com. If you enter the promo code Billick, that's B-I-L-L-I-C-K, you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Coach, thanks so much for uh, joining us on the show um, exactly what we thought, right? We thought that the Kansas City Chiefs would not only go in with a rookie running back, would dominate. he would dominate that game, but they would be the first team since Tom Brady became starting quarterback to trail at the end of the third quarter and win in Foxborough. That game could not have played out uh, more perfectly for what all of us thought, correct? We all, that, that's the way I had it laid out, didn't you? <laughs> uh, uh, no. Uh, okay, so let's start with the Pats. Um. How how concerned should anyone be about Tom Brady, seeing as there was 11 misfires from a guy who has been deadly accurate throughout his career? Yeah, that's, that's the amazing thing about this, isn't it? When you talk about the first week in the NFL, and it's, and it's very typical. Everybody's going to win the Super Bowl. Everybody's confident. And then come Monday or Tuesday after the first week, 50% of the league is in absolute panic mode. Um, a day ago, we were talking about a 17-0 New England Patriot team, a Tom Brady that could play until he's 50 years old, and now it's it's my God, are they going to win a game? And and I want to I want to see the I want to see I want to be at the news conference because you know someone's going to ask, well, do you think you ought to go with Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. as a quarterback? <laughs> yeah. And and just to see what Bill Belichick's response is. Um, yeah, last night. Uh, like we say, you never pick against New England at home, particularly in an opener. The fact that Kansas City played the way they did, one, says Kansas City now is in the top of the pyramid. I mean, they look spectacular. Um, the knock against Kansas City always been what? Well, they can't get vertical, can't get the ball down the field to the receivers. Well, that's exactly what they did. Um, you're right. Tom Brady did look pedestrian. Now, it's always hard to separate the play of a quarterback from what's going on around him the loss of Edelman, but 
there was a lot of things that have got to be a concern that you know they're going to come right back and be fine, and they're going to, they'll, they'll play well next week, and and we're right back to it. That's typical of the NFL. Whether you win the first game or lose it, you're telling your team the same thing, because after week two, you know if you win, you're one and zero. If you lose, you're one and one. If you lose and then win the second week, you're one and one. It's the same thing, and three quarters of the league will be right there. So that's what you got to hang on to, and we're going to hear a ton of what from every team. Hey, we're all about just this week. We're, that's all we're thinking about. But I think I agree. I think there were some legitimate concerns raised by how New England played at home in the opener, uh, all but against an outstanding Kansas City Chief team. Um, okay, what about the lack of pass rush from the Patriots? How how do you how do you and like look? I've talked to NFL people. Who they all say, and I know this is kind of what you're reiterating, which is honestly with the preseason now, uh, you don't really know what you have until October 1st. But there are questions about their pass rush heading into the game, and the pass rush did nothing uh, to discredit any of those concerns. It, when, when you're in that, in Belichick in that meeting room with his coaches today, is there a way to fix it now that we're in September? Well, always. You know, you're, that's what your job is. It's okay, well, what do we do with this? How do we generate a pass rush? But legitimately, and, and we know that the New England's the, the best at uh, getting rid of players that are just on that edge or going to cost too much, and no matter who they plug in, they're going to be, you know, successful. But at the end of the day, particularly when you look at that compared to some other front fours, when you look at this front four, uh, and even linebackers, you can legitimately, okay, who do I have to double? Who do I have to chip the tight end on? Where do I have to turn my line in terms of this pressure that that uh, the New England Patriots can bring compared to, say, Houston, where, well, what do you, you know, oh, boy, I got to double everybody. I got to double J.J. Watt, uh, uh, Merciless, the J.D. on Clowney. I mean, there's some teams out there that you have some legitimate concerns, at least somebody. Where do we, where do we turn our line? And you look at the New England Patriots, and I, I don't know that we see that guy that can disrupt the game that you've got to gain, you know, put your game plan in a position where, you know, he's accounted for every play. Brian Billick, our guest on the Doug Gottlieb show. Um, and then, you know, Kansas city loses Eric Berry as good as they look. Now all of a sudden they, they lose a, stu- a stud in their defensive backfield. Okay. Let's, let's get to Sunday's games. Um, again, there's some really good, probably the one that's the most under the radar because of everything that's happened everywhere else is the Bengals, who had a disappointing season, and they won't have Vontez Perfect, taking on the Ravens. This has been a great rivalry in the AFC North, one, of course, which you were a part of for so long. I do feel like the Bengals are a little bit under the radar because Marvin Lewis is you know, still a little bit in the hot seat, and they were so disappointing last year. Is it me, or don't the Bengals have some of the best talent in the league? They do, and and you got to know they're going to rebound. I agree with you. I mean, there's some great games out there with Seattle and Green Bay. I love the Oakland-Tennessee matchup, obviously New York and Dallas. But this is one, this is an important one. I did the preseason games for the Baltimore Ravens. First off, their defense is pretty darn good. Now, they really weren't challenged by who they played in the preseason, but this is they're deep in their front seven. The secondary is solid. Uh, they're pretty good. Offensively, that's this is going to be interesting because when you look at the starters, they should be better than people think with Flacco and a, you know, a receiving group that, uh, you know, Wallace and, and uh, Macklin and, and, uh, you know, hopefully a, a healthy um, uh, Perryman and Danny Woodhead out of the backfield. 
But the problem is none of these guys have played. This is the first time we're going to see an offensive line that for the first time is in the form that it's going to play at, hopefully all year long. Um, we, we, we haven't seen Woodhead. We really haven't seen any of these other guys. Now, on paper, it should look like it could be pretty good. And is Joe Flacco okay? I mean, he didn't take a snap during all of training camp. That, that's got to be nerve-wracking a little bit. So this is going to be interesting to see if indeed they are okay on, in a place on the road where they have, what, one, one in six years. You mentioned Tennessee versus Oakland, kind of, a, an, again, another under-the-radar, sneaky good game. Um, the Raiders' defensive numbers were bad. They have a couple of defensive stars, but, but overall the defense wasn't good. And one of the things they're kind of getting a pass on is they won some games in crazy fashion. You know, going for two, uh, missed field goals by the, the Chargers that should have beat them. Like, look, they survived some games that if you replayed the very end of the game, it, it might go the other way. And then there's Tennessee, who I think most people around the league think they were kind of, they've they've rebuilt their roster to where they're a solid football team. Now, give me your sense of that game. Well, you got to be with the two young quarterbacks. I love these two young running back. I just love what's going on in Tennessee. And Oakland, you're right. Can and can the defense be a little bit better? And now in a division with Kansas City that now appears to be the team to beat. Doug Gottlieb, show Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Brian Billick. SeatGeek.com. You use his name, Billick, B-I-L-L-I-C-K, and you get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, let's get to the primetime games. Seattle, who appears loaded and ready to make another run in the Super Bowl. Uh, They went and added Sheldon Richardson. But you have all these personalities. And, like, I know Pete's been able to make it work in the past. Do you like what they've been able to kind of cobble together to continue to remake that defense. Oh yeah, yeah, and they'll they'll sort through it. I mean, that's who they are, and and that, and that you kind of take on a certain us against the world mentality. People don't understand it. You know, we're passionate about what we do. We challenge one another. This is the way we we deal with one another. I, I get that, uh, and and that's fine. The problem is, to me, still offensively. You still got some questions. I know Russell Wilson, a lot of people think he could have an MVP season. I don't discount that. I still am worried about the offensive line. I'm a little concerned about uh, the receiving core. Uh, you know, it's still it's semi-pedestrian to me uh, for my money. Um, and, and Seattle's going to be good. Don't get me wrong. But, but I, don't, I don't know, and as good as they are defensively, they're going to have to run the ball a whole lot better, and they're going to have an opportunity to do that. We're going to see if they can. I think Green Bay, I thought Martellus Bennett was the off-season pickup of note to me because you figure you saw, and in fact, I did this on our playbook show on the NFL Network on Wednesday. Sean O'Hara and I talked about the fact that, that in New England, the way they utilized him on the backside opposite Gronk and Amendola and, and Edelman and all that, Well, think about Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers now. He's going to put on a three-by-one side. He's going to have Jordy Nelson, who led the league in touchdown receptions, Devontae Adams, who was second in the league in touchdown receptions, Randall Cobb can flip Ty Montgomery out of the backfield. On the backside, by the way, he can have a Martellus Bennett. I I think Green Bay is is poised. This is going to be a great game. I've got Green Bay going to the Super Bowl uh, from the NFC. Uh, I think that much of them. It's going to be tight. It's wide open in the NFC, obviously. This is going to be a great game. Uh, last one. Dallas, uh, who will have Ezekiel Elliott, against the Giants, who may or may not have Odell Beckham Jr. 
uh, has has been at practice but hasn't practiced with an ankle sprain 50-50. Assume that he goes. The Giants were the team that could solve the Cowboys and solve Dak Prescott last year. What about this year? Yeah, and they did it with pressure. Uh, uh, the first game, they were a little more passive. Uh, Dallas was able to convert on third down. Uh, they were 10 of 17. In the second game, they pressured virtually every down, and Dallas was 1 of 15 on third down. Uh, they couldn't make them pay. Uh, I think they're going to do the same thing and to try to stifle the run, to make Dak Prescott make some plays. The difference being, I think Dak Prescott going to Des Bryant, going to, to Jason Witten, uh, going to Williams, I, I, Cole Beasley, I think – I think that pressure might pay a little bit more of a price this time. And, and I think Dallas will hold up. Although those were both very tight games now, I think Dallas will hold up much better. Great stuff. Uh, Brian Billick, uh, you can see him on the NFL Network. Use his name, Billick, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase at SeatGeek.com. Coach, always great to just uh, pick some of that knowledge from your brain. Appreciate you being our guest on Fox Sports Radio. Sounds great. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. I told people all week that don't be alarmed at the craziness of Texas A&M. This is who they are. Traditionally, over the past 20 years, they're basically a 5 and you know, a 500 team within conference play in the Big 12. In the SEC, the exception is occasionally they have a, a really, really good year. Occasionally. And some other mitigating factors have to have to go in their favor. Um, but Kevin Sumlin is squarely on the hot seat, mostly because his new athletic director placed him on that hot seat. He's got an $11 million buyout. And then this really, really disturbing post from his wife. People of 2017, tell me how any part of this is okay. And to and to the sender, did it occur to you that my child may open it? Hashtag or else what? Uh, it's a letter t- addressed to Kevin Sumlin's home from, I believe, the Houston Country Club is the return address. I don't know why they put a return address. And everything I've seen on Twitter from people said it must be a, a woman's handwriting. I don't know if that's a woman's handwriting or a dude's handwriting. I don't know. Uh, you suck as a coach. You're a N-word and can't win. Please get lost or else. Uh, that's addressed to Kevin Sumlin. Well, I thought letter writing was dead, right? I did. Uh, but I also thought that this type of racism was was dead. So, uh, congrats. I, I don't... Here's but the part that no one has talked about that we talked a little bit about earlier this week is what changed when Kevin Sumlin came to Texas A&M was he made it cool. Texas A&M is a classically uncool school to anybody who thinks of themselves as cool and hip. Like the difference in uh, Texas and Texas A&M could not be more stark. It could not. Texas is in Austin. Austin is in, but not of Texas. Do you understand what that means? It's like Vanderbilt is in, but not of the SEC, right? Like Vanderbilt, not great looking woman, totally dedicated to academics, better in hoops than they are in football. They're in the SEC, but they're not really an SEC type of school in terms of the focus of that university. I say that kind of kidding. Austin in a, in a, 
really, really conservative state like Texas is. Austin's a super liberal town. Sixth Street is a great party area. Uh, College Station is a small town. They have a big ag program. They have a huge, there's the, uh, there's a big core, uh, you know, a big part of the university is the core. So with that in mind, and remember, A&M for a long time was an all-boys school. Um, And so with that in mind, like, there's been a lot of changes at A&M to where they've tried They've tried, and it's the fourth largest American university. It's got 56,000 students. 56,000 students. But um, the part that's been missing is it's not a place where one is seen as cool. It's kind of seen as a cult if you're outside of it. And secondly, it ain't really cool for black kids to go to College Station, Texas, when they could go to Austin, when they could go to Baton Rouge. When even Tuscaloosa, because of the success, but it's just it's just not seen as a cool. And frankly, Kevin Sumlin changed that. Not only as the first black football coach, but as just somebody who has a uh, a great way about him, where he's kind of welcoming to lots of people. Like I don't know if he's a great coach. I do think he's a really good guy, and I think he's broken down a lot of barriers there without without having to do the sheer brute force. And perception becomes reality. Perception becomes reality. And I will tell you that the perception now has always been like, "Mm, I don't know if black athletes are really welcome down at Texas A&M. Like Texas A&M is one of those, well, my dad went to Texas A&M, my brother went to Texas A&M, I'm going to go to, those are the kids that go to Texas A&M it's not really, you're not really choosing between Texas and Texas A&M. But in sports, you are. Sports, you're choosing between all these SEC schools, all these Big 12 schools. And like, look, I get it. Oklahoma had a racist chant from a university, from a, from a fraternity, and they ran that fraternity off campus right away. Uh, so I do think that some of this does, I, I obviously know some of this does exist. But this is terrible for the perception of AM, who's been fighting this for a long time, and Sumlin has helped fix a lot of it and made it cool and welcoming, and now it ain't. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Anthony Heron joins us from the Pac-12 Network. Um, you've, you've, you've seen the Darnold tape from last week, haven't you? I have, and I actually called the game last week, Doug, so I got to see it up close and personal, and then I got to review it afterwards as well. Okay, so um, there's like this these these uh, narratives which people who have actually watched the game and watched tape are like, no, he was actually really good, and everybody else is like, eh, they didn't blow out Western Michigan. He must not have been that good. Look at some of the incompletions. What's the truth? And, Doug, you know what it's like because you call a lot of games, too. And so when you have kind of multiple roles in the industry, for me, when I'm calling a football game, I know what my eyes are telling me. But then also just with the amount of radio I do throughout the week, I can kind of anticipate what the storyline is going to be afterwards, too. So to some extent, especially, you know, football broadcast will take three and a half, four hours at the college level. So there's certain points where I'll try to, you know, sort of hit that head on. And I did that a bit 
the other day during our Pac-12 Network broadcast, and knowing that Sam Darnold having zero touchdown passes after repeatedly throwing multiple touchdowns over and over again throughout the year last season and all the highlights we saw him make, and he was so precise during that game last week, as precise as I've seen Sam Darnold throw the football with the accuracy from within the pocket, the anticipatory nature that he threw the football with. I mean, Deontay Burnett, who ended up being his leading receiver last week and will likely be that for USC throughout this season, there were times where Burnett would be on an out route. He hadn't even finished the vertical segment of the route. Sam Donald's throwing the football, not just to his back shoulder, but throwing it to his back shoulder at a point where no one, not even Deontay Burnett, realized the ball was being thrown yet. Same thing on in-cut. There's things that are beyond the years of being a sophomore quarterback in college, a second-year starter, that Sam Donald was doing during that game the other day to a level that we didn't see him doing last year. What happened when they faced Western Michigan was a lot of the other skill position players let him down. Ronald Jones, the tailback, had an outstanding game. Deontay Burnett looked fantastic. See a lot of other younger players, receivers, tight ends, running backs, dropping footballs, blowing protections. So even though he completed nearly 70% of his passes, it really could have been about 90% if he had other guys around him actually making plays. Well, Sam Darnold had a fantastic game. Anyone who's saying he didn't, didn't actually watch him play. Anthony Heron joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. All right, they got Stanford at home. Stanford we haven't seen. They had the last week off. The week before, they were down in Australia. Keller Chris is back. He tore his knee in the bowl game, and all of a sudden he's back and, and healthy. He was okay. Uh, their new running back is Bryce Love. He had 180 yards, but there's a lot of people who are like, look, that's against Rice, against SC. They won't be able to line up and mash the way that Stanford likes to line up and mash you. Uh, Battle of styles. Can Stanford's style of shortening the game and controlling tempo, can that work against these Trojans? I believe it can. And I wasn't surprised what I saw from Bryce Love. And I frankly don't think we learned a lot about Stanford yet from what they did against Rice over in Australia. It's right. And they didn't, they weren't able to, they just weren't physically capable of forcing Stanford to do anything outside of Stanford's more mundane side of their personality. Because one of the things that folks don't realize about David Shaw and their Cardinal offense is that the volume of offense they have available to them is as expansive as anyone in the country. But when they can just line up and bludgeon you, that's what they prefer to do. And they do that better than anyone else in the country. And it's fun for me as an old defensive lineman to see what that offensive line does on the line of scrimmage. But this week, it's going to essentially be a bit of a strength on weakness matchup because USC's front seven on defense looks very vulnerable. And I spent some time during our broadcast pointing out where some of their interior defensive linemen and some of their young and less experienced linebackers suffered at the hands of the Western Michigan Broncos during the first half of that game. That's something I'll be surprised if Stanford isn't able to take advantage of that just because they're so experienced with their blocking team, with their run game. And Bryce Love has been groomed for this moment for a couple of years behind Christian McCaffrey. So Stanford will run the football effectively. I think the game will end up being a bit of a shootout, more so than folks anticipate, because I do think Stanford, the one thing I maybe did learn against Rice, they don't seem to have a dominant pass rusher. You know, they're not always going to have a Solomon Thomas available to them. But even aside from that, they didn't really have anyone within their defensive front or their front seven who could consistently in a one-on-one scenario pressure the quarterback. So that's going to give Sam Donald additional time to deliver the ball. I anticipate USC skill position players to catch the football more cleanly this week. So it's going to be difficult to me for Stanford's pass defense to slow down USC's pass offense and then vice versa. 
USC's run D is going to have to grow leaps and bounds from week one if they're going to slow up Stanford's run game. Anthony Heron joining us from the Pac-12 Network. He called that SC win uh, last week over Western Michigan. SC takes on Stanford at the Coliseum this Saturday. Okay, um, UCLA comes from behind, beats Texas A&M. Everybody goes crazy about Rosen in the fourth quarter, and he was amazing in the fourth quarter. But there was the delay of game. There was the fall start. Uh, there was a couple of throws to which, frankly, could have gone the other way. They didn't, and they won, and it was incredible. As a guy who does this and breaks it down for a living, give me your sense of Rosen. What impressed me most about the fourth quarter from Josh Rosen was that he sort of reverted to a different type of personality as a playmaker. It, it, was, it was an odd thing to juxtapose the two L.A. quarterbacks Sam Donald, with his calculated precision, had a little bit more Josh Rosen to him in his effort versus Western Michigan. And that fourth quarter versus Texas A&M, Josh Rosen had a lot of Sam Donald in him where he just threw caution to the wind. He was throwing in the coverage. He was leaving the pocket on occasion. And, of course, he's not as mobile. He's not going to be as dynamic with the way he can hurt defenses with his legs as Sam Donald. But he did enough to buy himself time and made a bunch of off-platform throws in the coverage and just had to trust his teammates to come up and make plays for him. So after he was down 34 points and there was essentially nothing left to lose, he did end up throwing caution to the wind. And I don't think he can maybe be quite as careless with the ball moving forward for UCLA's offense to have consistent success, but to have more of that carefree element to his game and not be so analytical during the snap down in and down out. That, to me, is the version of Josh Rosen that I think could really do special things for UCLA's offense. Anthony Aaron, join us in the Doug Gottlieb show. Uh, what about Luke Falk? I mean, you're know, like, look, we, we only have so much. It's like, um, it's like when you have TiVo or DVR, right? Like, there's so many, only so many things you can record. Right? So in our mind, we're like, all right, there's Josh Allen at Wyoming, got that one. Uh, there's a couple of the quarterbacks nationally. Like, it's almost like I think nationally, no one discusses Luke Falk. Uh, where is he? How big is the drop off in your mind between Donald Rosen and Washington State's quarterback? Well, Luke Falk for the Cougars is as good a college quarterback as we have. Where this discussion ends up going off the rails a bit is where we start to judge college quarterbacks by how we anticipate them being at the next level. I'm not at the point, you know, I evaluate the NFL draft every year. I'm not at the point where I'm ready to say, Luke Falk will or should be a high NFL draft pick as a quarterback, but I don't care about that with the way I evaluate him as a college quarterback. You know, it was one thing when I watched Kellen Moore at Boise State. Never thought Kellen Moore was going to be a high draft pick in the NFL, but he was one of the greatest college football players, not even just quarterback, one of the greatest college football players I ever saw. I feel a similar way about Luke Falk. Now, he's not Kellen Moore. But he's, he's just a notch below that. He's one of the great quarterbacks in the country right now, not just because of the air raid offense and the yards he puts up with the system that Mike Leach runs. He, he was one of the godfathers of this air raid that so many folks run nowadays. But one of the things he's done with Luke Falk that he very rarely has done in the past, Luke Falk's been a multi-year starter for him, and Mike Leach has entrusted Luke Falk to call plays at the line of scrimmage to manipulate what the defensive front seven is indicating to him. And quite often, Luke Falk isn't checking to a different pass play. He's checking run. And he's got that ground attack going for Washington State in a way that, to me, beyond Stanford, I actually pick Washington State as the number two team in the Pac-12 North right now because of the growth of the run game 
led by what Luke Falk is doing pre-snap in that box count and finding the bubble in the defense and saying, you know what, it doesn't just have to be on my right arm. I can look for my mentality, put my team in the best position, actually have a successful play, snap in and snap out. I think he's one of the best in the business right now. Anthony Heron, great stuff. You can see him on the Pac-12 Network. They got four games this upcoming Saturday. They got a pregame show plus the Pac-12 final score show. Uh, you can hear him uh, with uh, Roxy Bernstein. Uh, it's Cal. You, you and Cal Weber State? No, actually, this weekend we have San Diego State versus Arizona State. We're going to have the full-on Pac-12 after dark action going on. So the game doesn't kick off until 8 o'clock local, 11 o'clock Eastern. So go ahead and take a nap after some of those early games. you got to sleep a few things off and make sure you tune in because Rocky Long and San Diego State are coming in here meaning business to Tempe. I'm out here guzzling all the water I can because you know what it's like out here in the desert, Doug. I'm going to be ready when we kick this thing off tomorrow night. You need to hoop with Kurt Warner on Sunday morning. Oh, no, he'll be working Sunday morning. He's got, got that pickup game in, at his house not far. Lewis Johnson, tell, tell my boy Lewis Johnson I said hello to. I know he works the sideline for you guys on, on Saturday night. Of course, uh, Roxy's the best. Hey, uh, Anthony, thanks so much for joining us. Love your work and appreciate you being a part of Fox Sports Radio. Doug, I appreciate it, man. Let's do it again. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.